in the silence of the trophy room, where the echoes of past conquests resonate, we discover how to lead as men. It is not solely about the trophies we proudly display, but the courage to learn from defeats, humbly lead, and forge a legacy worth more than any physical accolade. Together, we'll discover how to lead from the trophy room. Hey guys, welcome to Leading from the Trophy Room, episode number eight, Jeremy. Hey Bo, today I'm going to be the host. You're okay? the host. I'm the host, and you're you're not even going to be the co-host today. All right, okay. here's what's going to happen today. Guys, I'm going to interview Bo, all right? So th- I've been looking forward to this episode, Bo, because we've been talking about it for a while. What just happened? Like, what was, what's been the big thing that uh, guys watched on TV last week What's what's going on? Texas Rangers won the World Series. <laughs> That's what I'm now, talking about. Hey, that was fun. So, Bo, this was like a really big deal because baseball's been your life. Is that right? It's been my life. It is my life, yeah. Now, before we get to your life of baseball, guys, we're going to hear a bunch of stories today. Bo tells stories after stories after mm. stories, and you're going to love the stories, but then we're also going to ask him what God was teaching him through this life of baseball. But, Bo, let's start off with the Rangers. You have any, tell about your little, you, you got a little connection to the Rangers. I got a little connection to the Rangers. So not only do we live in Granbury, Texas, which is about 45 minutes from Arlington where the stadium is. Uh, and then we're going to get into my life history and, but I've never grown up with a baseball team, mm-hmm. uh, because my dad, which we'll get into and just cheering for whatever team my dad was a part of. So you've had multiple teams. Yeah. So chose. I just, I probably 12. Okay. You know, so I've never had identity in a team. Like that was just my team that okay. I cheered for. So okay. when we moved to Texas, I told my family, hey, we got to pick some teams we've got to cheer for. So Cowboys, of course, let's go Cowboys, Rangers. Uh uh, And then we went through colleges because I don't have a college either. So so we chose A&M. All right. A&M, which has been horrible to be a fan of. It's hard. (laughs) It's hard. But all right. So the Rangers... It's been fun this year. Like we've got to just buy tickets as fans, take my kids, see them like morph into fans, like standing on the chair, waving the rally towels and cheering. Yeah. And hey, I it, even saw your wife on uh, TV. TV twice. Yeah, that's just waving cool. the towel yeah, and cheering. Yeah, like, yeah. So it's been fun as like a non-fan. I've never been a fan before, just because it's been our life. So, I, but I get to sit there. And have joy out of watching my family be fans Absolutely. like of the sport. Uh, and then the Rangers, uh, this last, before the season, hired Bruce Bochy, who was the manager of the Giants. And when he was there, my college roommate, my junior year, Donnie Ecker, uh, broke into the big leagues there as a coach, okay. um, which blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. He wasn't really a part of professional baseball at the time. He was doing some stuff. Off, and then all of a sudden, he's now in the big leagues as a coach. I'm like, what the heck, Donnie Ecker? <laughs> and then Bruce comes out. He retires, comes out of retirement, become the Rangers manager. And then he assigns Donnie Ecker to be his bench coach, last hitting coach of the Texas Rangers. So not only do they become our team, but now my college roommate, my junior year of college, is the bench coach of the Texas Rangers. Dude, that's just fun. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, was super weird, me sitting in the stands, it being my life, and looking down 
in the dugout and seeing my college roommate as the bench coach. For right, the right, I just get, I just got to ask who had a bat, a better batting average. You were, you were him. Me. You had a better. Me. Donnie, I love you, bro. Like <laughs> I really do. Uh, but I did. I'll tell one Donnie Ecker story. Right. Okay. So my junior year of college, I was at Lewis and Clark in Idaho and our head coach, he's a famous head coach. Uh, if you Google him, Ed chef was his name. He coached for like 45 years, but he never played baseball. He was like in the military and he was a boxer and uh, not a baseball player. <laughs> he was like football, military, boxer. And he just brought this aspect to the game that was totally different. It was rough. Wow. He had some wild things he did. Uh, one of the wild things he did was leading up to Christmas, He it was called the smoker. Part of our training would be to run from the baseball field to a boxing clinic. Uh, so we'd go to this boxing facility and train with professional boxers. And then right before Christmas break, uh, we would fight he would pair us. Y'all would uh, box? He would pair us height and weight. And it just so happened that the guy who matched me perfectly height and weight was my roommate, Donnie Ecker. <laughs> and so we got to fight each other in the ring with gloves, three rounds. Uh, I want to believe I beat him pretty well. I bet he Donnie, like, he like I, I bet he would say the he, opposite. No, Donnie, I I hope he he, I'm going to get this to you and I hope you hear this. He was running around the ring like a little girl. I doubt and I, it. Oh, I was chasing I him. Doubt I doubt it. Him. So anyway, I doubt yeah, it. the Texas but, Rangers just won the World awesome. Series and it was And you got to be excited for your old friend. Got to be real excited for him. Like Donnie, I'm so proud of him. Mm. Um, yeah, and just, you know, he didn't have a long career as a professional. He went and developed his own thing outside the game, but still teaching kids about baseball, became a hitting coach outside the game, and then gets this position and has just done what an incredible a, job. So really what happy for him. What him. a cool story. Now, yeah. now, Bo, you have a really cool story with baseball. Baseball has really been your life. God caused you to be born into a baseball family. Talk a little bit. Of, let, let's hear your story. Like, yeah. what, what was childhood like being yeah. born into a baseball family? Yeah, I was literally born almost on a baseball field. Like my dad. Would your mom say that? Like, my, no, uh, my mom would say she suffered in a hospital. Okay, okay. <laughs> but like all my memories, like just, it was, it was baseball. Like it was on, it was around baseball stadiums. It was around baseball towns, small town America across the United States. Um, because my, so my dad went to junior college a couple years, then went to, uh, Arizona and got drafted out of there, went to the Expos, played in the big leagues, got to the big leagues really quick, and then blew out his knee, ended his career the year mm. I was born. So when I was born- Hey, hold on. One real cool thing about your dad. Uh, what's his connection with Nolan Ryan? Yeah, so my dad, <laughs> so when he was in the big leagues, uh, he was with the Expos and Nolan Ryan was pitching. Uh, and and my dad was his record-breaking strikeout. So don't quote me on the number. It was 3,000 something. So my dad's in the record book. That's and funny. A funny part about that, when I was playing in professional baseball, I was at a diner in some town and I was eating at this diner. I look up on the wall and they had like records, baseball history. And it might've been Nolan Ryan's records. I don't know. And they had them written down. And there it was like 1978, Brad Mills strikeout. <laughs> like, so I got to text my dad. Like, dude, I took a picture. I'm like, you're in the record book for striking out. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Hey, and what's cool is you can find it on YouTube. So if you guys YouTube, Brad Mills, Nolan Ryan strikeout, you'll see it's a backdoor curveball, which means it's an outside curveball. 
Uh, that was a good eight inches off the plate. So he struck out looking, which you never want to do, but it was a ball. And so, oh. like, if you tell him to this day, he'll like fight you on it. Like, <laughs> I saw the pitch correctly. The umpire screwed me. <laughs> it was a ball. Like, so Nolan Ryan's record breaking strikeout. He didn't even throw a it, strike. It was a ball. Yeah. So, anyway, oh, and there's a long funny. story that goes into that yeah, too. Yeah. So, but, your dad's in the big leagues. He yep. becomes a coach. Well, he blows in, out his knee the okay. year I was born. So, 1986, he blew out his knees on crutches when I was born. And and it ruined his career. Back back in the day, there was none of this like arthroscopic surgery. They split yeah. you open. Like he has a 16-inch scar on his wow. knee, filleted him open, replaced his whole knee, like mm. ruined his career. He's done. Next year, he goes into coaching. Uh, he loved like baseball is who this man is. Yeah. Like God created him to be a leader and a leader in sports. He was really good at w- what he did. And he goes straight into coaching in the minor leagues. Okay. And so now, Bo, so this is something I didn't realize. Uh, so I always thought if you go into coaching in baseball, you're making millions. Yeah. What was like, describe yeah. your childhood. Yeah. So my child, a lot of people don't know this about us and the Mills family. And they look at us as like big league and have all the things. And you guys are just spoiled rotten and you don't understand <laughs> what it's like. Well, growing up, uh, I was born in, in a double wide. Like I grew up in a double wide trailer on my grandparents' property. And my dad, just being the man he is, like good steward of the money, uh, knowing he's like, and just wanted to make it in baseball. He would come, he's making, I don't know, this is 1980s minor league coach, probably in the 20s, 22,000 a year, 25,000 a year mm-hmm. with a family yeah. of three kids. Uh, so we got the opportunity to live in a double wide trailer that my grandparents provided us on their five acres, Walnut farm. Uh, his parents lived up in the foothills of California, um, of lemon orchards and orange orchards. And he would come home and he'd drive his dad's El Camino, mm. like 1960 something El Camino. So he yeah. never, he never bought a car. Like my dad never owned a car until we'll get to that story in 2004. But for the first 18 years of my life, yeah, 18 years of my life exactly. My dad never owned his own vehicle. Wow. And uh, would come home and he would flip burgers. He would deliver mail. He would do any kind of odds and job to make it through. So how long was he home and how long was he gone? What was, talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so my dad, so baseball season and a lot, a lot of people don't know this either about baseball. Uh, you leave around Valentine's Day every year. So in February, beginning of okay. February. And when you leave, you are gone. You do not come home to your hometown at all mm. until October, November, depending on how far you go in the playoffs. So my dad was gone nine months out of the year. So when dad left, you knew dad wasn't coming back home. Dad was not coming back home. And yeah, and and back in the day before all the security, before 9-11, uh, it was back in the day of the airports where you got to walk people all right through their gate. And so I remember as a kid, like taking dad to the airport, knowing he's leaving again mm. uh, and walking him having to hug him, say goodbye, and then watch him fly out of my life. Like, mm. I don't know why I'm crying right now, but uh, it was tough, man. Like, so for nine months, how long? For nine months out of my life, every year of my life, my dad didn't get to see me grow up, uh, play sports. And it's not a like I say that, and I feel bad about saying that because I don't want him to hear this and feel like I'm pointing a finger. Like he was doing what God called him to do Mm. and he was so good at it. And he provided for our family and he loved our family. It was just hard. Like that job and that commitment Mm. and doing what he loved 
took them away from us Dang, for bro, a lot you made of our lives. Yeah, made me cry, dude. Hey, so so like one of the things you shared with me earlier was that uh, talk about your dad when he was home, he was home, he was present. Because because here's the deal: like as a dad, we all leave in the morning, and we come home in the evening. And uh, I have I have this thing. I'll come home, but I'm still not home. I'm yeah. still not present. Your dad seemed like he was present. Talk about that. Yeah, and so I, I think one of the celebrations and benefits I got from my dad being gone so much is he did, he did a really good job of being intentional when he was home. And, uh, this was before cell phones. This was before social media. So he didn't get to like, follow me, catch up. We'd have to wait by our house phone with a cord, you know, mm-hmm. like for dad to call. And then you check in like how the week go. Like there was multiple days he'd have to catch up on. And when he was gone and then when he was home, he was just present. He, um, We'd work out together. You try to coach our basketball teams because that was the season he was home for. It was during the holidays. He'd be home for November, December, January. So Thanksgiving, Christmas time, uh, we'd play pickup basketball games together. We'd go down to the gym and call buddies. And we just got to do a lot of things together, build stuff together. Um, he wasn't into hunting and fishing, so we didn't do that. Uh, I'm trying to get him into that now later on in yeah. life, but, uh, we got, he was just intentional with all his time. And, uh, just, I was sharing with you before we started recording just where I'm at in life right now. Looking back and just wondering, like, why? Because my dad, I, I talk about my dad a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I honor my dad. I, I look up to him. And he made a big impact. He in had a life. huge impact in my life. And it, it's wild to think about that, knowing this man was only in my life a few months out of the year, my whole life. And, uh, and I think it's because he was so intentional with every minute he had with the time he had with us. And, uh, we have so many memories together. And so, um, Hey, so that, I think that's something that we can like grab a hold of as men is guys, a lot of us work and we work a lot. So that just means when we are home, we do need to be intentional. Yeah. And it's harder today, like because of the social media thing, because of YouTube <laughs> and because things pull at our interests, like we can, we can, like if I'm, I'm, I love to hunt and fish, I can get on YouTube and watch some really cool mm-hmm. hunting and fishing stuff real fast or get yeah. information, I'm always diving into my hobbies. Uh, it takes you away from your kids and like yeah. their interests and seeing them develop and develop them. And so they didn't have that back then. And you just had that time together, so, playing cards, doing the things. and just So he was time. present. Now, hey, so the cool thing, uh, I, I want to skip to what it was like to be the son of a coach hmm. in Major League Baseball. You got to have some cool experiences. Yeah. Even the names you throw out, you throw out some names of people that you know that are just because of the baseball thing. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a fun question. Before we get there, I do want to honor my mom. Oh, wow. With talking about this. Like that woman uh, raised us for eight to nine months every year by herself. Mm -hmm. Like it's incredible that my parents have been married for 46 years now, Mm -hmm. 46 years of marriage through, through a lot, Uh, no money, three kids, living in a double, like she made ends meet. She got things done. She just survived day in, day out by herself. And, and so it, I it was more than just you. You had sisters. I had two, I have two older sisters. So yeah. she's taking care of all three of y'all mm-hmm. by herself mm-hmm. while your dad's out working, yeah. trying to make a living, trying to pr- Yeah. Grow. So I, I would just be doing this whole podcast a disservice if I didn't honor her saying, mom, I see you. You did an incredible job. Um, I, and I know how hard it was. Uh, to not only not have your husband around, like, you know, like, but 
to then just being the sole parent, like having to do double duties with everything. So, so what's, anyway. what's fun is uh, I know your dad and I know your mom. Uh, honestly, your personality is probably more like your mom, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, yeah. like the fun, the yeah. loud, the outgoing, yeah. love people. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. It's really cool. So to answer your question, yeah, I got to experience a lot. Um, got to be around a lot of big time people. Uh, got to see how they live, how they talk, how they work um, their work ethic and just get to experience life with them. Um, what was it like in the club? You got to be in the clubhouse as a kid, right? Yeah. I got to see men, uh, in a clubhouse, which you get to see them from all angles (laughs) in the shower and, and on the field. Like I got to experience all, I just hung out. That was my home. So, all right. So to see my dad, when we had the time, Typically, every summer, we would pack up the old van we had, and we would travel and drive to wherever dad was. So that's how we spent our summer. I would live uh, for two and a half, three months. Uh, and w- and this was you know probably between I was born and 10 years old, because then I got into sports, and I was playing in the summertime mm-hmm. and couldn't leave as much. Yeah. But during that time, we got to go visit dad. And we would live where dad was at. We'd get an apartment or whatever, and we just live where dad's at. And every day I'd go to the ballpark with them at 11 a.m. And then we'd get home at midnight. And that was our life. Like I was raised on hot dogs and peanuts. And <laughs> uh, I remember when he was in the minor leagues as a kid sitting down. So they have grounds crew. The grounds crew is who takes care of the field. Well, they have their own like little clubhouse out behind right field. This is like Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, and the grounds crew guy doubled as he had like his license to build fireworks and so, like, during the game, he'd be down there with, like, gunpowder and all the stuff and, like, building fireworks. And I would sit there at, like, eight years old watching this guy build fireworks. And then we'd go, and he'd launch them off after the game. It was, it was just awesome. And, oh, yeah. and they got me my first tackle box and fishing. So I get those experiences. And then we get to the big leagues when I was about nine years old. And so here we go, going to major cities, major ballparks, showing up, and there's Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds. You're seeing like, guys that are on TV. Yeah, like, like, that had like to be so time, cool. Like yeah. famous. Like I'm hitting in the batting cage with Barry Bonds. And by the way, you a, and Barry Bonds are hitting in the batting hitting cage. in the tunnel in the batting cage at uh, in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, and honestly, like I didn't know any better. Like yeah. it was just, you were probably weren't even impressed. This, I right? didn't ask for his autograph. Yeah. I didn't go get a baseball card. It was just, that was normal to me. That's huh. what, that was literally what I grew up in. And, uh, it was normal to be in a big league club, clubhouse to take BP with the guys to stay on the field with them and field ground balls. And it was just normal. They hmm. were just dudes to me. And people always ask me, they, they always want to know who my favorite player was. Mm. And, uh, who, who was and it? it surprises everybody when I say this, my favorite player was Scott Rowland. He was the third baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. My dad was there four years as the first base coach. And he, so he played the position I played. So I was a third baseman growing up. And so I got to always take ground balls with this guy, Scott Rowland. He's in, he's in, uh, the hall of fame. And, uh, but he's not, he's not a name. Like I was around a lot more famous yeah, people yeah, yeah. than Scott Rowland. But Scott Rowland carried himself with integrity. Oh, wow. He worked hard. He was a great husband. And I'm at 10 years old, I recognize you that. You recognize, hey, that's a, that's a man that I want to be I just want to like. be around him. Like, uh-huh. like he did everything right uh, and good. Um, and he was a great player. And uh, so he's not the most famous guy. He's not the most, but he was just, 
I was attracted to him. Like I just wanted to be next to Scott Rowland. And That's I, awesome. He was my idol. And so Scott Rowland, third baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. That's amazing. Hey, uh, so did you ever get to experience the World Series yourselves? yourselves? Yeah. So like- my dad, so my dad, uh, you know, worked his way through the minor leagues, got to the big leagues, uh, was in the big leagues for about seven years with um, a couple organizations, became a bench coach with the Expos, Montreal Expos in 2003. Uh, which a bench coach uh, is right below the manager. So you have a manager and a bench coach and a bench coach does everything a manager does. He just doesn't deal with the media. So the bench coach is like his right hand man. So he breaks in in 2003 is like his first major role is the bench coach. So your dad, he's told me that the bench coach is like the player's coach. Yeah. He focuses on the players. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's kind of the manager of the clubhouse, the, the culture of the team. Yeah. yeah. Um, he needs to do like his history of how to make guys the most successful in certain situations. Mm. So when uh, the manager looks to him and is like, Hey, what do I do? It's the seventh inning. We have this mate. Well, Hey, here's the, you know, he has all the information right there for the Mm. manager so he can make the best decisions as his manager. Uh, and I truly believe I might be a little biased. I think my dad will go down as one of the best bench coaches of all time. I mean, he's a bench coach for. 15 years, 12 years in the big leagues and mm. very successful mm. and did some really cool things. Anyway, so 2003 becomes the bench coach of the Expos. 2003, if you remember, is a big, this is when like the Red Sox and Yankees were just become the Red Sox, Yankees, major rivalries. And uh, the manager of the Red Sox at the time leaves their pitcher in for too long, Keith Folk, and he gives up a home run uh, to Boone in New York that loses the series for him, doesn't allow him to go to the World Series. Manager gets fired. Oh, you wow. go home. And they hired Terry Francona, the Red Sox do in 2004. Well, Terry Francona is my dad's college roommate. They have their best friends. They've mm. been, they were in Philadelphia together. They work well together. So Terry then asked my dad to become the bench coach in Boston. So my dad accepts, uh, Expos let him go. They, I think there was actually a trade they had to do. Really? Which I don't know how many trades were actually have been done for coaches. Yeah. But like, I don't know, there's some kind of rule or something. So they had a trade for him. My dad goes to to the Red Sox in 04. Red Sox have never won a World Series in 86 years. Mm. And my my dad's first year there. And this is like, they call this team like the group of idiots or something. It was (laughs) like the most fun team to be around. I'm really? a freshman in college at this time. And so I'm old enough now and I'm six, I'm getting good at baseball myself and, uh, doing well. So anytime I got to go out and see my dad or be around the Red Sox, or if they came to California and played the California teams, I got to go take BP with them, hang out with them. I'm older now, right? I'm almost yeah. 18. And so anyway, they had, this is Johnny Damon, uh, Manny Ramirez, big poppy, um, all these guys. I mean, we go Kurt Schilling, uh, David Lowell, we go down the roster and it's just an You can remember all these guys. Oh, it's an incredible team. So they make the playoffs. They get to the Yankees again. So here we are, 2003, they played the Yankees. The manager of the year before got fired because of this series. It's a big yeah, deal. It's like a big in deal. sports, it's a big deal with the rivalries. It's a big deal to the owners. Like they try to buy to beat each other. Like literally right. that's their one goal. It's like hatred. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> The Red Sox, my dad's team goes down 0-3. It's best of seven. They go down 0-3 to the Yankees. And uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is we're gonna lose. They're gonna lose again. My dad will probably be fired. Here we go again. It's yeah. all over again. Yeah. And 
they win four in a row against the Yankees to go to the World Series. And it was just incredible. Like that was just, you can look that up, watch video of that. It was just incredible series, multiple walk-offs, uh, incredible series. Go to the World Series, sweep the Cardinals in 04, and win the first World Series mm. in 86 years. They break the curse. It's called the Curse of the Bambino. Yeah. Because the Red Sox traded uh, Babe Ruth to the Yankees and they just say it's Curse of Bambino. So they break the curse, win the World Series. I got to fly out. I asked my college coach, hey, I'm leaving. Like, you don't even, you can't say yes or no. Like, no matter what you say, I'm getting on a plane, flying out and experiencing this. So I got to be a part of that whole thing. Got to be wow. a part of every game, was in the clubhouse for every game. So you were at the games? There's pictures of me of uh, like grabbing champagne bottles. I'm like 17 <laughs> years old in the clubhouse celebrating with the team. Oh, wow. Actually game four or yeah, game four of the World Series because they swept them. It was only four games. We're in St. Louis and I'm sitting with Terry's son, Nick Francona, Kurt Schilling and me on the couch of the clubhouse and Kurt won't let us move. Like he's superstitious. They're winning, and I want to get up and go. And he's like, no, we're not moving. The, the clubbies came in to put up the tarp so they can celebrate. He said, take that down. I saw the Yankees do that for four straight games against us. Do not put that up until we win. Wow. So I got to experience that whole thing with Kurt Schilling. They win, celebrate. We go running out through the dugout, onto the field. Uh, just incredible time. Yeah. I'm, wow. And I get to put on the shirts, the hats, grab the champagne bottles, spray them. Got to ride. That's uh, incredible, man. Yeah, I got to ride in the airplane back with them. We we land in Boston at like 6 a.m. probably, and the airport shuts down. They have the runway lined with people celebrating. It was just a like to see that, like to see the the people and how much they cared about the sports and like this, like they're crying. Yeah. They're on their way to, to work and they're like stopping and jumping out of their cars as the bus goes by. Cause we're going from the airport to the, to the stadium. It was just incredible. And then we got to be a part of the parade in the duck boats uh, <laughs> for, I think there was 4 million people there. Uh, so we're there. I'm waving to people. I think I'm a part of the team. And then we go in the Hudson river. This is November freezing cold. People are jumping off the bridges into the river. It was just incredible. Those wow. experiences. So I have a ton of experiences. Yeah. Like so that. we can't share all those experiences, yeah. but uh, we, we'll try. I'll get more we'll, baseball we'll get, we'll stories more out there. of you. Yeah. Okay. So so you really got to be a part of some really cool, like like that's just great stories. I, like, I'm, I'm sitting here going, wow. Like you probably really didn't even realize how cool your life was. Yeah. Uh, so looking back now. How do you think, like, like what was God doing in you? And, and like, how is God, how are you using that now? Because everything in our life, like uh, past, past strengths, past pain, uh, passions that we have, like we're to use those, we're to steward those for, for God, his kingdom, even our family. So, so how did those contribute to where you are now, what you're doing now and uh, kind of the responsibility you feel now? Yeah. And so I'm now a pastor at a church that I, I never thought I'd be in ministry, period. And so to look back and look at the development and story of my life that God's like put me in and I've walked through and the hurts and the pains and the celebrations and the, uh, 
I'm just so thankful for like all mm -hmm. of it. Like there's some hard stuff, some real hard stuff. And there's some real big stuff like the world series we just talked about. And I'm thankful for all of it. And I see God like developing me and develop me through those times and put me around people and men and famous people uh, to be able to share stories and connect with a lot of different people. Uh, ministry, all it is, is, is sharing the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done in my life and sharing that with people to encourage them to maybe look to something different, yeah. uh, to, to the truth that can truly change their life. And um, it helps to have experiences that people could look to, relate with, or admire to give you um, a a relationship with. And so I'm just thankful with, uh, being able to tell stories, like be able to sit here on a podcast and have men listen and be like, yeah, I was in a duck boat. I was part of a world series with a bunch of dudes, a bunch of famous guys. Uh, and God can use me like through that, like, and here I am, like he's, he's shaped me and developed me all the way to this position to be able to relate with men and point them to Jesus. So, so what I like about your story, Bo, uh, the Bible talks about becoming, um, all things to all men. So that all men may be saved. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can relate to the guy that has had a hard life with dad not around much, uh, but you can also relate to the guy who's had an incredible life and has mm -hmm. been blessed uh, beyond measure. And to, to be able to have both of those experiences has to keep you in balance, has mm -hmm. to keep you in check. And, uh, and I've seen you live a life of gratitude and thankfulness and joy. And I think a lot of that is because of the pain you've gone through, but also because of the blessings you've experienced. It's really cool to see that. That's good. It's, I'm, I'm thankful for every part of my life. Like you get to, to points of your life and you get to look back and yeah, I'm just grateful. I'm, I'm honored uh, to be sitting here today and I'm thankful for all the experiences I have. And we have a ton of stories that I could keep sharing. We haven't gotten into my career yet yeah. being drafted. We'll do that on a different podcast. I love that. But it's, this is fun for me. Hey, let's do that during baseball season. We'll do that during baseball season. That'd be fun. That'd, That'd be, be fun. Good. Hey guys, my takeaway, here's my takeaway from today, Bo, is whatever God entrusts you with, okay? what Whatever experiences, whatever talent, you had some talent, uh, whatever uh, place that you're at in life, like God calls us as men to steward that, to use that, to manage that in such a way to bring him honor and bring him glory. Mm -hmm. Man, I think you're doing a great job with that. Guys, that's our challenge for you uh, as we continue to lead from the trophy room. Guys, we love you. Keep leading. See you.